Hi, this is the Mountain Basketball Podcast. I'm glad you're with me, and it's time to talk about Colorado basketball. First of all, I'm sorry I've been out for a while. Um, I do have a day job, and my company's been working on um, an acquisition. I know nobody that listens, maybe, or very few people that listen to this care much about energy companies buying each other, so I'm going to avoid that topic just to say that it's been a very busy summer. We got a deal signed at work, so... I have a little bit more time now, but I just wanted to apologize that I missed a few weeks. I just was prioritizing, you know, family, life, fitness, health, and podcast, and some of the things fell away a bit. So I'm back now, and I plan on doing a few more interviews coming up because the season's still a bit away, and um, I've gotten some positive feedback on some of the interviews. So I'm going to line up a few more interviews. I'm going to try to hit some assistant coaches on the men and women's team. Those aren't lined up yet, so I'm going to do my best to set those up and maybe a few players. So, first of all, and again, we are right in the teeth of college football, and Colorado is 5-0. and I watched them beat Arizona State last night and UCLA the week before, so again, this is um, an interesting time to be doing a college basketball podcast when the college football team here in town is nationally ranked and really surprising a lot of people. So first, congrats to the football team. Um, I'm not really a, a big football person, so other than knowing the difference between a run play and a pass play, um, the whole sport kind of confuses me. So I'm going to stay away from trying to analyze football because I just can't do it. So this week I want to talk a bit more about the men's team. Um, so it's been an interesting offseason. So a lot of you guys probably don't know the schedules for college basketball are not set years in advance. A lot of times the coaching staffs are scrambling to get games in place all the way up to this summer for, you know, this this winter and spring for the basketball season. So the basketball schedule was put out really late. And I think it's because, or I was told it was because the coaching staff was really struggling to get some quality home games. They They had some games on the road. And the way the scheduling works nowadays is the Power Five conference conferences, which are you know the major conferences, and some of the other, some people call them like the the major seven, which include the American and and um, the Big East. The it's really hard to schedule if you're outside of that power structure. But then again, sometimes schools like Colorado struggle because they're not a name brand school, meaning like UCLA, USC, Oregon, Kansas, um, schools that just draw a lot of attention by their name. And so you can get in a bind where you're a good team and not a like a name recognized school and coaches just don't want to play you. So I think that happened to Colorado this year. They were trying to get um, teams to come into Boulder to play them, and a lot of the schools just wouldn't do it because they knew they had a good team and they weren't going to get the value of you know playing a Kansas or Kentucky. Um, and the way these scheduling systems work is they they call them home and aways or one for one, where you play a team on their court and then they play on your court, or two for one, which is more common for a a power conference, is where they play two games on your court and you play one on their court. But what happened in the last year, Colorado had a really good trade with Xavier, which is a great basketball school. They did a home and away where two years ago they played Xavier at home. 
And last year they played them away at Xavier. They got blown out last year, which is understandable because Xavier's a great school. Um, and two years ago they played Xavier here. And I remember reading in the paper that Tad Boyle, the coach, was a little upset that people didn't show up for that game. But I don't think he recognized that we had about four feet of snow that that day. And I, I went to that game because I live from walk I live walking distance from the stadium. But I was I mean I I looked like I was going to do some alpine skiing. I had boots and snow pants and coats and hats and gloves and I just trudged through the snow. It took me about a half an hour to walk to this game. So I understand a lot of people weren't driving into the boulder in the middle of a snowstorm. But that was a really good matchup. And unfortunately this year we do not have a similar slate of non-conference games. So the the non-conference schedule was released this week and I'm just gonna read it to you. They're playing Drake, Omaha, San Diego, Air Force, Portland, Colorado State, South Dakota, New Mexico, UIC. It's just not a very appealing non-conference schedule. I mean, Colorado State's always interesting because, you know, it's an in-state rival, but the Portland Pilots, I mean... The only thing that's really interesting about that game is watching, hopefully watching CU blow out a team from the West Coast. So um, I have season tickets. I'm going to continue to do that. Um, but really this year, you're just going to have to hope they win their non-conference schedule. There's not a lot of interest there. And then get to the conference schedule. Um, two more topics I want to talk about. One, the conference schedule. And then I want to divert a little bit about what's going on with college basketball and the FBI scandal. Because I've have been listening and paying a lot of attention to that, but I have I think it's something else I can add that people haven't really been talking about with that with that FBI scandal. So first of all, the Pac-12 was terrible last year. I mean, you never really know how conferences stack up until you get to the tournament. Like you can look at the Big 12 and the Big East and the Pac-12 and say there's some good teams. You know, we got Arizona and Oregon; those are good teams. Um, made the Final Fours. And Big East obviously has some good teams, but the Pac-12 just got blown out in the postseason last year, which was kind of embarrassing. I mean, the Conference of Champions just getting blasted in the postseason. It's under. I mean, we're called the Conference of Champions because the Pac-12 has more championships in other sports. A lot of that has to do with swimming, skiing, running, um, volleyball, other types of sports. And certainly we're not racking up the totals in in basketball it it has been a long time since the Pac-12 has really taken it to the national stage in in college basketball and I'm not sure this is going to be the year either but just talking about this the conference about how people expect the conference to fall out um, the two best teams are going to be UCLA and Oregon um, as you look at sort of the the analysts people that you know do this for a living those kind of flip-flop between Oregon and UCLA. I mean, they have good recruit, recruiting classes coming in. They've been good, um, and but it's not quite determined. We don't have really one powerhouse school anymore. For a while it was Arizona, which was sort of the flag bearer for the Pac-12, and I'm gonna to talk to you a bit about why that's not going to be the case probably this year and probably for a couple years. Um, UW is good. USC right now has the number one recruiting class for next year coming in. Number one ranked rec recruiting class. Again, that's that's not fully. There's a lot of you know top 
20 recruits that haven't committed yet, but UCLA is pulling in big time recruits and they've fallen under this sort of this FBI scandal too. So not overly surprising. They're pulling in this level of recruiting class. And again, Colorado is undefined is what I'll put them. I mean, we know who the top of the conference is. I mean, everyone, you know, from the East coast says UCLA, Oregon, Washington, um, Arizona, USC. And then we know who's terrible. Um, Washington State, Oregon State, Stanford's going to be really bad this year. And Colorado is kind of a floater. We don't know if they're going to be top four or bottom four or somewhere in between. Um, I don't think it's. Um, I don't think it's clear. Um, Colorado is a young team. They have they're clearly talented, but to me, a very successful year would be top five in the conference and making it to the both the postseason tournament, and by that I mean the NCAA tournament. That would be a very successful year. Trying to be top three in the conference, very possible, but um, that's kind of what I would consider hitting it out of the park this year. Um, now, moving on to the um, the FBI scandal. Um, a lot of you guys listening to this probably know what I'm talking about here, but I'm going to do a quick primer for people who haven't been paying attention. So it was... The FBI um, released information that they were running a sting on college basketball. Again, before everyone says, why is the FBI, you know, running a sting on college basketball? Don't they have better things to do? I understand that whole argument. We're going to put that aside for now. Um, it's clear they, there's probably things they could be, do, be doing other than cracking down on the NCAA. But let's just say they, they did crack down on NCAA, so let's move on from that point. Um, they were wiretapping um, guys who were called runners um, and agents and getting a lot of information on how the underground college basketball recruiting works. And a lot of people who follow this work closely, I'd refer to the interview I did a couple months ago from Keith Easterwood in Tennessee. He's a guy who was in the midst of all this, and he knows that you know, how this system works. And just to break it down on the things that we all knew already is the shoe companies invest a lot of money in different teams. They give millions of dollars to certain programs like Under Armour's giving a lot of money to USC and Arizona, or excuse me, Adidas is giving money to Arizona and USC. Under Armour's giving a lot of money to Maryland. Duke gives a ton of money to Kentucky, Duke, and these shoe companies don't just sit back and say, okay, here's your $10 million per year. I hope you guys are good this year. They get involved. They, they start recruiting at the AAU level, giving programs um, sponsorship, and then they, they funnel those kids into their own shoe company colleges. So, for example, like a Marvin Bagley, who was always considered a Nike, Nike athlete. He played for a Nike AAU school. Um, his father was hired by his AAU team, um, given it's reported over $400,000 a year to coach this program, all with the expectation that he would then go to a Nike college. He ended up going to Duke, and then he would sign with Nike when he graduates, um, often after just one year of college, or six months of being on campus. So 
this has already been known. This has been known for decades. For me, you know, being a cyclist, it's, it's very similar to the whole Lance Armstrong scandal. Um, I went, I raced in Europe for a while and I knew how um, cycling worked. There was a lot of um, performance enhancing drugs. And when it came back to the US and got more of a normal job in finance, um, it was very upsetting. For, <laughs> it was it was not a happy time where people would say, oh, you must love Lance Armstrong. He's he's the you know the best American cyclist ever and he's fantastic you guys you have to understand you must love him and me just biting my tongue and saying you guys have no idea how this system works and what he's doing and I and I never thought he'd get caught um he did get caught I'm not obviously you know that story now but that broke um I was surprised that happened and honestly I'm a little surprised the FBA's FBI is cracking down on college basketball now because people who follow the sport closely and talk to people who are involved, um, they just know. I mean, these kids who are top 100 players, they're not going to college for free. They're, they're getting their sponsorship money early on. And, and quite frankly, they should. This is not, these are, they're not breaking laws. They're breaking NCAA rules. So for me, when I hear that, you know, Aiden went to University of Arizona and got $100,000 to do so. It's great. He's probably worth more. Um, but again, that is an NCAA violation, and it's being kind of exposed more to the general public now. The reason I brought this up is because one of the funny st- <laughs> I'll say funny because it is funny, um, that broke this week is Jim Gatto, who was one of the guys caught up in this FBI scandal. He was an, an Adidas executive and really what we call in basketball bag dropper um by bag dropper i mean someone who goes to these players and arrange arranges for payments so they'll go to an adidas school you know he was working with um um, nc state kansas um really you know making kind of competing with certain schools to make sure these top players would go to adidas schools he got busted in this fbi sting and just for background, um, when FBI, they spring the trap on somebody, they never lose. The success rate on an FBI trial when you're um, being prosecuted by the FBI is about 98%. And the only time ever people ever get off is some sort of mistrial. Um, it's, it's just very unlikely. And I say that because when I, when I was working on, um, on Wall Street, I was working for a bank called Credit Suisse. Um, and the guy who sat next to me for a year and a half, he was actually a good friend of mine. Um, one day the FBI came in and walked him out of the office in handcuffs. Um, we didn't really know what was going on, but it changed our worlds for a few months. So apparently he was taking information on mergers and acquisitions that we were working on and filtering it to a friend who was out of the country who would buy and sell stock accordingly, depending on how the, the, you know, the acquisition or divestiture merger was, was looking to the board. So I was called in, um, with the Credit Suisse lawyers and I had to go and testify to the FBI. I spent about three weeks every other day going to the FBI um, explaining to them how, you know, Wall Street banks work and how we knew what in trading was. Um, and I was upset because this was a friend of mine. I'd, you know, been to lunch with him, had dinner with him almost every night. We were, we were friends. And one of the Credit Suisse attorneys pulled me aside after one of the, the questioning sessions and said, 
your friend's going to jail. The FBI never loses these cases. All you can do is tell the truth and get out of here and get on with your life. If you're not guilty, just tell the truth and this will be over and, and, and he'll go to jail, which he did. He went to jail for over 10 years and, and I went on with my life. And um, testifying in front of the FBI was not fun. Um, I have a, um, <laughs> two funny stories about this. So I, I have some plates and screws in my shoulder because I crashed once on a bike race and the, the collarbone was so severely broken that they had to, you know, screw it and plate it back together. Um, it's the only time I, that has ever turned up. I was, um, had pulled everything out before going underneath the metal detector in the FBI and the buzzer kept going off. And I said, I have everything out, phone, keys, change, my, you know, everything in my, my bag. And they said, do you, have you had any surgeries? And I said, yeah, I have, um, you know, titanium plates in my shoulder. And they said, well, why didn't you tell us? And I said, well, I've been flying in airports and going through these things for five years and it's never set that off. And so the FBI metal detectors were a little more advanced than you get at the airport. And then, um, going in, um, some of it was actually like a bad TV show. I, they put me in a little room with one chair and there was a light bulb hanging from the ceiling, swinging back and forth. And these FBI investigators came in and I could tell they just hated me. I mean, they hated wall street people, like younger guys like me who thought we were cool. Um, and they, these, this investigator came in and said, Hey, you know, do you want some coffee? Um, and I said, yeah, you know, I'd love some coffee. It's early in the morning. He goes, well, we don't have any coffee. So why don't you just shut up and answer the questions? I said, okay, that kind of set the tone for how the FBI investigates these cases. So a little bit of a tangent there, but, um, I thought that I, 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 I haven't told that story very often. So there you go. The, um, I bring this up because Jim Gatto, who was the Adidas representative, um, executive, he's busted. He, he's on wiretaps. They have receipts. He has these eyewitnesses, people saying that they gave him money. Um, he's going to jail, right? There's no way he can win. This week, he came out with a, what I consider an amazing defense, really clever from his attorneys. He came out and said, yeah, I did it. Everything you're saying is true. However, you're saying I broke federal law because I, um, you know, I... I betrayed, I, I defrauded state universities. However, that's not true. First of all, I was working with the universities. Every time I was giving money on behalf of NC State, Kansas, Arizona, USC, they knew about it. They wanted me to do it. So how can you, how can you defraud somebody when they're requesting you to do it and you're doing as directed? And on top of that, it's not a crime. They're just NCAA rules. It's, we didn't break any laws. We broke NCAA rules, and I shouldn't go to jail for breaking NCAA rules that are ridiculous. And, on top, and the third kind of twist he said was, it's no crime if there are no victims. Without any victims, there's no crime. And who is the victim? The FBI was trying to build a case that, for example, Arizona was the victim because he was giving money um, to get Arizona players to Arizona. Um, that's not the case. And the university wanted me to give the money. 
the players wanted the money. Every, the players went to the school, played basketball, got money, then went to the pros. There are no victims here. And without a victim, there's no crime. And that really threw the FBI on its heels. And they haven't really, at least publicly, responded about how they're going to um, how they're going to refute this claim because, frankly, it has a lot of truth. And the, the, he might be falling in the, the 2% of people who get off of these um, FBI cases. Because, like I said, I mean, the FBI is very good at, um, you know, fraud, um, financial markets, um, real estate markets, um, just violent crimes, um, money laundering. They know how to prosecute these cases. But something like this, I think they might have taken a step too far. And while they did what they're saying is true, they're they're going to have a hard time prosecuting these guys because again, these guys are not people who, um, as some people say, snitches get stitches and will will not you know roll over because they don't want to. Um, they're they're criminals. These guys are Jim Gatto is not a crim or he's not a professional criminal. He's an an executive at a shoe company. And he's pulled out a very clever case of how to get off of this um, FBI investigation. So college basketball continues to be very interesting. You get the stories about who's going to be good this year. And on top of it, who is buying players? And unfortunately, those are highly correlated. Um, you look at the top 10 um, schools who are ranked this year in, in the national rankings. And there's a lot of smoke around all these programs. And um it's just because it, that's the way the business is done in college basketball. So, um, all right. So I'm, I'm coming back in. My mic actually just kicked off there. I forgot to put it on an airplane mode. And if I get an incoming call, it kills the mic. And what's funny about that call that I just got, you know, talking about college sports being, being a business is it was from the university of Colorado athletic department asking me for money. So, you know, that's kind of ironic. It, um, I'm just going to, not comment on that too much. I get a lot of calls from the school asking for contributions for the athletic department. But um, with all this said, I will say there are um, often people jump to the conclusion that all programs are dirty. Everybody's cheating. Um, that's what they did with cycling when Lance and, and crew went down. It was like, well, everyone's doing it. So what's the problem? And the problem is that's not true. Not everyone is cheating. Um, and in, in basketball, I did an interview with Matt Norlander, um, who's who works for CBS Sports um, a few months ago. You can go back and listen to that one. He follows this very closely, and he actually does talk on his pod on his podcast, and it, and we talked offline about it. Is Colorado is known as being an exceptionally clean program. Um, so for Colorado, a lot of these revelations about cheating they're not surprising to the University of Colorado but coaches like Tad Boyle and he's not alone like this but coaches like Tad Boyle um, it's good for them because they're not going to get caught because they're not doing it but they also you want to talk about leveling the playing field is a term that people use a lot in cycling what levels the playing field in college basketball is the the worst the the worst of the worst getting busted and then having to pull it back to a little bit cleaner programs, and then programs like Colorado, and again, Colorado's not the only one, but they certainly are one, who does it clean, does it the right way, who's not buying players. 
So, you know, I will say this on the record. You will never see Tad Boyle busted in one of these FBI scandals because he's not doing it. And there's other programs, too, that are very well known as being clean programs. And there's a lot of programs that just where there's a lot of smoke, there's fire. And, you know, I'm not here to just accuse a bunch of programs. But if you talk to people, you know, recruiting analysts, um, guys who work in media, um, they're kind of wondering where, when the other shoe is going to drop for some of these bigger programs that are getting, you know, top 10 recruits every single year because um, that's the way that business is done. Um, so that's this week. Um, Mountain Basketball, uh, again, a little bit of an, of an odd podcast this week. Um, I was kind of buried at work um, and I wanted to get one out this week and talk about the program and also say that I'm going to line up some more interviews and get some more um, content that you guys will find interesting before the before the season starts and try to uh, stay keep my head above water in the middle of football um, um, mania right now. So thanks for listening, and that's Mountain Basketball. <laughs>